0: The T Health Show, your medical lifestyle podcast, brought to you by
1: The T Clinic.
2: Good morning. I'm Dr. Mark. This is The T Health Show. And in studio, as always, we have Sister Elise Fun Art. Um, and then our latest new addition to the T tea Clinic team, Sister elena Mitchell. elena good morning and welcome.
1: Good morning. Thank you very much.
2: Our producer today, I don't know, some Peewee is a little bit under the weather, so we have our trusty stand-in, Ryan. Morning, Ryan. Morning, Dr. Mark. How are you? Can't complain, thank you. It's been a while. It has been. Um, Sister Elise was just complaining that they had to drive in the dark this morning. <laughs> oh. And, you know, it, at least it wasn't that cold because of the rain last night. So, um... For the past couple of weeks, we have been talking about detoxing the mind and the body. And then in last week specifically, we spoke about metabolic disease. So, um, Ryan, did you listen to us last week? Uh, I, I'm not sure if I caught that one. I think I caught the tail end of it. Okay, so let's just quickly recap on metabolic disease. So, metabolic disease or metabolic syndrome is a combination of conditions which includes elevated blood pressure, a change in cholesterol levels, specifically the LDL, that cholesterol that elevates, or triglycerides, those three fatty acids. And then we have a change in our sugar levels, increased blood glucose, and an increase in insulin levels. And one of the first signs, and probably the only visible sign, is weight gain, specifically abdominal weight gain, and Sister Elise, We we actually grouped a couple of other conditions um, with poly, um, with uh, metabolic disease. Some of them people are familiar with, and some not. Um,
1: and we spoke about polycystic ovarian. Yes,
2: um, for 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 women. And then um, um,
1: sleep apnea is one of the other
2: ones. Yeah. Hypogonadism,
1: hypogonadism.
2: which the T clinic specialize in and changes in hormone levels. And then one that people don't often know that they have, and it goes together with the cholesterol. And that's the non-alcoholic fatty okay. liver syndrome. Correct. Yeah. Um, where changes that happens in liver and enzymes and uh, hormones. Um, start playing a role on, on decreasing the liver's ability to do its function. Now, today we want to actually take each of these, um, individual, individual conditions. Actually, they are diseases in their own right and, um, talk about how we can manage them because metabolic disease is one of the fastest growing diseases. And it's responsible for cardiovascular problems like heart attacks and stroke, the development of diabetes, um, obesity, which is a chronic condition, which leads to both of the previous two, um, kidney disease and obviously kidney disease. Yeah. So, um, where shall we start? Shall we start with hypertension? Yes. Let's go. Okay. Um, Ryan, yes. What is hypertension?
0: <laughs> you were going to ask me, and I, I, I have no, no description
2: for it. Okay, hypertension, high blood pressure. Okay. So, how often do you monitor your blood pressure? So, I don't, I don't check it
0: often enough. But I, I get phone calls from my mother saying that I have to check it. How often, often is often enough? So, for me, I'd probably check it once or twice a year if I'm not feeling well, but. My mom checks hers regularly and phones me to <laughs>
2: say. Okay, so i um,
0: do you right? feel about that? <laughs> I'm 27 years old.
2: Does she tell you which underwear suits your socks? No, not no. not yet. Oh, he doesn't wear underwear. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so in your family, yes, is there a history of people with high blood pressure? Uh, not not that I know. Is there history of people in your family, aunts, uncles, grandparents who died of heart attacks and or had strokes? Uh so I, I have I have a, a non
0: blood related relative yep. who who I treat as family but other than
2: that, not in my direct family. Okay. So the definition according to the um American Cardiology or Cardiac Society um, and this is now widely accepted, right. is, a uh, sustained blood pressure of 140. That's the top measurement. We call that the systolic blood mm-hmm. pressure mm-hmm. over 90, which is the diastolic blood pressure. Um, so I'm going to refer to our two colleagues, uh, Sistelian and systolease. Um, you guys have more than 60 years experience working with patients in hospitals between the two of you, more than 60 years. I actually want to say it's even more than that. Um, are you starting to see a change in the trend if we just look at what's happening in our office, that people are presenting more and more with hypertension.
1: I want to start off with to say that people are not aware of their blood pressures. And that's something that we discussed previously as well, is this simple tests that you self-test that you can do on a regular basis. And one is checking your blood pressure. Um, we've seen an elevation in blood pressures, I want to say, in 90% of the patients that comes through our door. And how do we manage that or how do we we monitor that is, first of all, I want to say they are shocked when we say, but you have an elevated blood pressure. And then we say to them, go home, measure it for a week long and come back with a reading so that one can manage it from there. So, yes, I don't know, Elena, if you can add something yes, to that. I agree. And I think it's also a lot to do with lifestyle and then also people are ignorant about their family histories they think oh well my dad's got hypertension hypertension it's in the family it cannot happen to me but unfortunately it does and we see younger and younger patients coming in with hypertension these days
2: yeah i i have to agree there with you if um What we do in our practice, like any medical practice should be doing, and ninety percent of doctors I've seen do this, is the first thing that they do when a patient comes into the offices. This is how we were all trained, I think you 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 guys as well. The first thing that you do is you take a, a, a a listen to the patient's blood pressure, and we have seen an exponential. Rise in patients who we refer because of sustained blood pressures above 140 over 90. Um, and it's shocking to see that it's young patients who are fit, healthy, active and hypertension, unfortunately, is a silent killer. Yes. So how does hypertension play a role in metabolic? disease um, uh, Sister Elise oh, right?
0: So I, I just wanted to ask I'm assuming from this conversation that hypertension is genetic
2: Not necessarily No. Um, you know what I think if you if you have a family a strong family history of hypertension um, you're definitely predisposed but um, Helena said it. Uh, in her answer, hypertension is more to do with lifestyle than anything else. Right. Okay.
1: But I must also say, my son, from the age of 19, um, has got hypertension, and we picked it up. He was healthy. He went to um rugby academy, and mm. then all of a sudden, his heart rate, when he went, went on to the monster heart rate went up and everything, so... The doctors did everything, so he's, he's, is hit hereditary, he's blood pressure.
2: Right. It's, it's quite interesting that you say that because very often in patients with hypertension, we find that they have an elevated uh, heart rate. So I think that could be a very, very easy screening test. Normal heart rate is somewhere between 72 beats and, you know, but I would say maximum 80 beats a minute. Yeah, I uh,
1: always, because of my ICU background, I would say between that your normal limit 60 to 100. So from there for me in, in that measurement, it can be from 60 to 100. Sometimes it, uh, it can be below, but, but for me, the, the guideline 60 to 100.
2: Okay, Sister Elise went on to her trusted crypt node, Google. <laughs> what did you learn on Google?
1: Well, um your question was how, how does hypertension play a role in metabolic syndrome? And that is all about Google says, um, are very complicated. Uh, and remains still obscure But visceral and central obesity, In insulin resistance and Sympathetic overactivity Oxidative stress Is where you get your hypertension From in metabolic syndrome So that's very complicated Okay so I'm
2: going to dumb it down for Yes you. Please. Okay. And the reason why we say That hypertension is Predominantly lifestyle based Um it's what we eat so and um how we sleep and how we stress so let's think about the stress response mm-hmm. so if I'm walking in the bush and suddenly there's a line the first thing that happens is your neurotransmitters um, elevates epinephrine so that's your sympathetic nervous system. Sympathetic nervous system works on activation. And how it activates that nervous system is through the release of epinephrine, which is also known as adrenaline. So when you when you have a fright, immediately your adrenaline levels spike. And what it does is it immediately leads to vasoconstriction, which elevates the blood pressure and it immediately releases glucose into the bloodstream.
1: Okay, but let's talk about the vasoconstriction. In in dumber in dumber terms, is it takes the blood away from the peripheral areas like your arms, legs, etc. and takes the blood to the vital organs.
2: So it sends blood to your muscles and to your brain so that you can react. Okay. Now, the second phase of your stress reaction is where your hormones, and here we look at the adrenals, um, kick in even harder. And that's when your pituitary gland, which is basically the control center in your brain, releases, um, cortisol from your adrenal glands and what cortisol is responsible for it's responsible for controlling blood pressure and blood glucose and what it does is it elevates both of them again this is that slight fight reaction for you to fight or flee you need to be able to react quickly therefore your blood is pumped away from things like your gut, etc., etc., to the brain and the muscles. The problem that we have in today's uh, society and in our lifestyle today is we are constantly stressed. And that elevates blood pressure on a continuous basis through the action of adrenaline and cortisol. Now all these blood vessels now become injured it's like our roads Um, too many traffic or too much traffic on the road it gets damaged and the road deteriorates and now the road becomes dangerous we have potholes and what happens when you hit the pothole Um, you get stuck there so blood does exactly the same so it increases your clotting etc etc so does that make sense
0: I just, I just wanted to ask, is it kind of like, if you stop stressing for a while, if you, if you take it easy, is it repairable? Or is it once the damage is done, it's
2: permanent. If you can find a way that we can stop stressing, please tell us all. <laughs> so, um, this is, I think, where the other lifestyle factors really come into its own, uh, sleep because the body does repair while well you're sleeping um, it's a wonderful way of repairing the brain, muscle, tissue blood vessels etc etc but none of us are getting good quality sleep or um, it's very interesting there was a study that I read um, I think a day or two ago um, about sleep and sleep apnea and there's only of adults that get enough sleep. 10% of adults get good quality 7-hour sleep. That's frightening. I'm not one of those 10%, by the way. What's good quality? Are you talking like REM sleep? Good quality of sleep is when you go through all your five sleep cycles. So you have stage 1, 2, 3, 4 and REM in regular intervals. Um, because this is where the brain, um, gets cleaned and washed and where you form memories and where you process information, where you purge useless stuff from the brain. Um, and when neurological tissue repairs and therefore because the body is slowing down, the brain is, um, picking up its base in which it works. Um <coughs> the body has time to repair. This is where your immune system repairs, right. um where your gut lining repairs, etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Okay. So how do we manage hypertension?
1: Where do we start? Um we start with change of lifestyle. Change of lifestyle means starts with exercising or um your diet, diet, especially diets, relax, rela- relaxation, meditation, which you promote a lot with these patients. Um, and then unfortunately, medication at the end of the day, if, if yes. you're being, um, monitored and it, it, it stays the same, it ends up on your medication and you need to be compliant on your medication. So, one of the problems that we face in practice
2: is we have so many patients who come in as um identified hypertensive patients on medication um and they on a tablet. Now usually that's not good enough. Why? Because the patients aren't aware that they have to monitor the blood pressure continuously. Um Both of you, Elise and Elena, you've been working in ICU. Um, uh, Elise, you were working in theater. How difficult is this to actually control a patient's blood pressure? It really is difficult. Don't you agree? We find, Elena, uh, from an ICU perspective specifically, it's very difficult to control a patient's blood pressure with just one drug.
1: He's, sometimes you're lucky to get away with one drug, but I mean, if you have patients with severe hypertension, they really need more, more than one drug. So, because of the end of the day, the thing that, um, hypertension also causes is, uh, uh the big thing and people don't realize it is, um, kidney failure. Kidney failure. Absolutely. That's the, that what, that's what happened. And that's the big cause of kidney failure these days. Is hypertension. he's
2: Especially undiagnosed hypertension and because we are too aware of it. low
1: blood pressure. No, I mean, hypotension is, I think, better than your, your hypertension. Look, you also pump enough blood, but I mean, um, it's, it's not as dangerous as your, um, hypertension blood because, blood. because your heart needs to work so much harder, um, Your arteries are uh, narrowing with your, with black pressure and it, it, um, and your glomerular uh, filtration filtration decreases due to your hypertension. Okay. Yeah. So,
2: um, it's difficult to manage hypertension. So I I don't want us to stay on that for too long, but suffice to say, patients should stop smoking. Number one. For high blood pressure.
1: Sister Elise, do you agree? I don't know. <laughs> That's a question I asked you before we yes, started.
2: Absolutely. Smoking causes um narrowing of arteries.
0: And and this is all kinds of smoking, including those vapes and all of that kind of stuff as well.
2: You know what? I'm I'm going to actually say yes. It's very interesting. Um yesterday I climbed in the car and um I caught the tail end.
1: Uh, on the news, and maybe someone can like me. Um, Did you catch that as well? Yes, I did. They said they're going to um, ban some of these vapes. Yeah, because because
2: they're not regulated, and the vapes will only be available at pharmacies on prescription. I actually think that's better. Did did you hear that one? No, I didn't. So how much of that uh, they'll be able to implement? If anyone will be able to do it, it will be the Australians. Um, but because there's so many black market fraudulent products on the market and some of these stuff um, are really, really dangerous. Um, you don't really know what is in your vape mm. for one simple reason. It's not regulated. Mm. So think about cigarettes. On a packet of cigarettes, it tells you exactly what is in there and what it's going to do to you. But there's no legislation and no regulation when it comes to vapes. So, yes, smoking in any form is, is, is not great for me to dry out. So, right. smoking, physical activity. So, and physical activities, yes, I, you know what, I'm walking a lot during the day at work. That's not increasing your physical activity. That's your normal metabolic um, or physiological activity rate, which needs to increase. Do you guys agree on that?
1: Yeah. And for at least 30 minutes a day. That's the. So 30
2: day. minutes more physical activity than your normal housework of playing with the kids or dogs. Yes. Um, then these, um, dietary changes. Um, do we know of any medication that causes hypertension or any foods and stuff that cause
1: hypertension? Salts, sodium.
2: Yeah, yep. salt, excess amount of salt. So we take salt out of our food. A long time ago, God, you, you were still playing around in diapers. Um, it was the fact to use those vegetable salts or celery salts, celery salt, salts, um, which didn't contain as much sodium and chloride. Um, did you ever do that? Elise got know, a, I don't a know. disgusted I don't look know of food.
1: I don't yeah, in those years you it was celery salts, and uh, what's the other one that they use in Malay and Now it's Himalayan salts, but, salt, but it's salt. Salt, salt, salt.
2: So diet, lifestyle, reduce your stress levels, get a good enough sleep, and then medication. And the biggest thing that we can say about medication is you need to monitor your blood pressure at least two or three times a week at different times of the day. Okay, um, Sphinx Manometers are available at all your leading pharmacies online. I recommend to my patients for home screening a wrist cuff because it's easy to use. It's accurate and it gives us an indication. If a blood pressure is above 140 over 90, consult your medical practitioner. Um, supplementation. That we have for blood pressure. Uh, Cicelyse, can you think of anything? Um, we missing Divya. She would have told yeah. us immediately. Uh, I think,
1: um, maybe Berberine. Uh, I know. Yeah. Berberine,
2: berberine would
1: It would go. I look at, so for the cholesterol, but I mean, it, it it's a later. So niacinamide, uh-huh. um,
2: yeah. nicotinamide as well. And then lion's mane, a new product, um, lion's mane, which comes from a mushroom. Uh, as, as an anti-inflammatory, it also works on the interstitial inflammation. Okay. So let's move on to the next one. Um, cholesterol. The problem with cholesterol is that again, if you don't test for it, you don't know it. So high cholesterol in your family? Uh, I,
0: <laughs> no, I, I know you mentioned earlier that people are unaware of, um, family histories. I know the main ones, but I'm. I think high cholesterol's one. I'm not entirely sure. Okay. I, Have you had your cholesterol tested, other than just a finger prick test for discovery? I, I think so, but it was, it was not recently. Probably a couple of years ago, because I had I had bad cholesterol a couple of years ago.
2: How did oh, you had?
0: To be honest, I, to be honest, it hasn't been it hasn't been a major thing that I've checked, so it's not. I don't think if it if it was bad it wasn't it
2: wasn't anything that I can remember. If I remember correctly, your father has the elevated cholesterol levels. Yes. Okay. So don't you think you should test yours? I
0: I probably I probably should. <laughs> I know I, I know my mom's on a on a similar thing as well because she's also got like a, a fatty liver thing and I think that I don't know if it goes hand. hand. Absolutely, liver and fatty liver
2: changes go hand in hand. Right.
0: Absolutely. So, yes. Then it's definitely. But it's definitely in my family, yes. Um,
2: Sister Elise, it's something that I think, um, and Helena, uh, when we look at our patients' results, how many of our patients, percentage wise, have normal cholesterol? Yeah, about 20%. If that. If that. that.
1: Yes.
2: Um, and here again, in our practice, we see patients of all ages, all races and um, all health conditions, all phenotypes, which means your physical attributes to the body. And um, it's very interesting that we can see patients that weigh 120 with a normal cholesterol. I and mean, then we have someone, um, a lady, who is uh, 1.6 meters tall and weigh 55 kilograms with high cholesterol. So cholesterol is, is something that we look at. And last week, we discussed the different types of cholesterol. You have the apparently good cholesterol, which is referred to as HDL, which should be above um, 1.6 for it to, to really be a good level. LDL cholesterol, which is your bad cholesterol or low density lipoproteins, which should be below 3. And then your triglycerides, which refers to free fats, um, which should be below 7. And what we actually do is we look at the total cholesterol and the ratio between good cholesterol, uh, bad cholesterol, etc., etc. And the most easily used ratio is the ratio between your total cholesterol and your good cholesterol, HDL, which should be below 4. Right. Um, now, cholesterol leads to the formation of plaques in our blood vessels and that leads to obstruction. And the biggest problem with that is if think about a scab that's sitting on your knee after you have a grass burn. Now when you start bending your knee, that plaque cracks. If you think about scab, um or you pick at it and then it starts bleeding again. Have you have you ever done that? Are you stupid enough? I do that all the yes, time. Always. Okay. And what happens then, that thing takes longer to heal, it creates more inflammation and redness. um, And that is the underlying tissue. tissue. And that's where you get vascular disease. And if these plaques come loose, especially the ones that sit in your carotid arteries, etc., they go to the brain and that's where we often find strokes, heart attacks, etc., etc., it also has a role to play in erectile function for men, um and vascular deficiencies and the incompetence in the legs where you start getting swelling of the legs and discoloration. So um how often do we test our cholesterol systoles, how often would you say?
1: Well, once a year at least. And what way would we use? Do you think a fingerprint that no, this give us definitely good enough? Not enough. It's definitely not enough. It can be an indication that something is wrong but don't ignore it then. You know, if you are at the higher level of what n- normal cholesterol is on a finger prick, I uh, suggest that you go and do a proper... Lipogram? Lipogram at mm. a laboratory.
2: Are they included in most um, medical aids? Yes. Um, look, I, uh, we can get into a debate about medical aids and you know what whether they're good or bad um but uh I think depending on which um' which one you're on, medical aid and which program and what your benefits are, we should at least be paid out of your medical savings account um cholesterol elevated cholesterol is one of the conditions we to which we describe as minimum. Prescribed benefits. Um,
1: yeah, but be, I that think it should not be paid from your prescribed
2: patients? minimum benefit. Yeah. We, if cholesterol is elevated, um, because it has so many negative things um, and negative effects, it, this is something that your practitioner then um, puts you onto chronic medication. Um, and uh, just think about this cholesterol medication is something that you will be able to get from Government from the state. If you go to a government institution, and it's paid for, right? So um, your your minimum prescribed uh, or prescribed minimum benefit conditions are uh, things like hypertension, elevated cholesterol, diabetes, etc., etc. So these you can just go and get. This. You can go and no, you, can, sure. you can go to your local government state-owned clinic mm. and have it tested. And if it's high, you can get your medication from there. You do not have to be on a medical aid. This can be done and should be done um, through our um, government health
1: policies. It's very difficult these days. I, you know, that is yeah. the
2: problem. Okay, managing cholesterol levels. Where do we start with that?
1: Diet. Same place. Yeah. Lifestyle, lifestyle changes. Lifestyle changes. Yeah. The one thing definitely is dietary changes, limited saturated fat intake, um and then also exercise inactivity is a huge thing. It makes sense because it goes and sits the fatty deposits goes and sits in your um arteries, etc., and um that is that can be managed with exercise and stress levels that's yeah.
0: a big thing so uh, i'm assuming no no takeaways no you have to eliminate it all fast speed, food
1: be- it's, it's not all way. about balance
2: i'm actually mm-hmm. going to disagree with you um i think certain takeaways um and there was a, a very interesting paper that was published um on which is the healthiest takeaways in South Africa. And it actually came back that Nando's um, Nando's chicken is one of the, uh, the healthier options the that health- you can have. So, you know what, I think Kauai, um, with your, your plant-based wraps and stuff like that, is also not a bad option. But, uh, you know what, if you are going to have a burger... Um you know but don't have a bacon cheeseburger. Have um an a avocado and burger or a bunless burger. So
0: so essentially what we're saying is try and move over to fresh foods. Absolutely. Fresh,
1: a better the fresh option ingredients of away. Right.
2: Okay. Okay. Um cholesterol again silent killer. If you are not aware of it, you won't know that you have it I'm going to give you my family history for instance my father had his first heart attack at the age of 40 while he was on a sports field um and he wasn't playing bowls um, and when they had our whole family tested at the age of 16 my cholesterol levels were nine um, when my sister who's 10 years younger than me at the age of 13 Uh, When my father had his second heart attack, um, her cholesterol was 13. Um, Now, uh, CJ works in our office. You would never say that a tiny little girl like that would have elevated cholesterol levels. Um, It is something that family history definitely plays a role in. Um, You have a condition called familial hypercholesterolemia, um, and then you have other dyslipidemias, uh, where things are a problem but here we are looking like other caus- causal factors, alcohol abuse, um, excessive use of alcohol, even recreational drugs that damage uh, the liver where cholesterol is formed. Cholesterol is essential for us but um, you know what, it's only essential to well it's essential to a degree because all our hormones come from it. One of the other causes of elevate cholesterol levels elise as uh, menopause.
1: Yes, definitely. And um that is something very interesting because our sex hormones, which is estrogen, testosterone, etc., is being made by cholesterol. And if we have elevated cholesterol levels, then we know that and um how do we say lower Sex hormone levels, then we know there's a dysfunction between the two. Um, We get elevated cholesterol levels with most of our patients that we see, and then we can know that the sex hormones will be not sufficient, and they have a hypogonadism.
2: Yeah, which is one of the signs of metabolic disease, but the same happens for men yeah. as well. Um, Ryan, who's got a higher incidence of heart attacks or strokes, men or women? I want to say men, but I feel like it's a trick question. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to say to you under the age of 50, who's got a higher risk of heart attacks or strokes, men or women? I'm still on the go with men. Men, absolutely correct. After the age of 50? Would it be women? But, you know what? Women have a 15% lower incidence of heart attacks or strokes until they hit menopause. And then their risk increases. One in nine women will die because of a heart attack or a stroke. Really?
1: After the age of 50, yes. which is the age that we identify as menopause, menopausal age.
2: Mm. And that's specifically due to the effect of increased cholesterol due to lower estrogen levels. What's the jump about? Fifteen percent. Oh it's fifteen. Yeah. Which is incredibly that's, that's high. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. Which is incredibly high. Yeah. Um Sister know um when we look at kidney function, um men or women, who's got the worst kidney function?
1: Um you know what I I treated mostly men. Men patients. The male patients were the highest, um, more, more than, than in and them and the cause, hypertension. Hypertension was mostly uh, the the diabetes, um, but um, that's the the two and that's sometimes hereditary. But mostly hypertension yeah. and diabetes.
2: Hereditary causes of kidney, um, f- but kidney problems are rare. You know what? Very rare actually. Less than five percent of patients um with uh, kidney failure has a hereditary condition. It's usually either a traumatic incident or causes due to lifestyle. Uh, hypertension, diabetes, the use of medication, um specifically anti hypertensive medication. And
0: and also, lifestyle meaning like the kind of job you work, I'm assuming. Absolutely. Like the
2: amount of stress you induce it's based on. all about this. stress. Yeah. So, uh, again, if you can figure out a way that we all live without stress, uh, please do so. <laughs> um, I think if we look at a supplementation that's freely available for patients to help lower cholesterol levels, um, Sister Elise, whatever ones that you can think um, about?
1: Elena mentioned berberine. Yeah. And then there is cocutane that increases Absolutely. your liver function, which help with lipid metabolism. Um Can I can I just interject there? Um patients who are
2: on any form of a statin, whether it's a plant based statin, whether it's synthetic prescription medication. What happens is because of a statin, they stop the production of coenzyme Q10 or suppress the production of coenzyme Q10 in the liver. So, if you are on a statin, you have to supplement with coenzyme Q10. Yeah. Sure.
1: What can you add supplement-wise? Supplement-wise,
2: you know, but milk thistle to help with with liver function. Milk thistle is good Mm -hmm. um, for that uh, purpose. Um, What about
1: the vitamin Bs?
2: Absolutely. Uh, Vitamin Bs are essential. It helps with liver function as well. Here we're looking at um, cyanocobalamin. Uh we're looking at niacin, um and all of those. So B three, B six, B twelve. Yes. Uh B9 also plays a role, folic acid and folates mm-hmm. uh also important. So your folates are more the B twelves, yeah. um thiamine, Etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Um if we take a look at the difference two different types of cholesterol medication on the market. We have our statins. Now, there's a huge debate about the safety of statins. You guys are aware of that? Yeah. No, Where statins don't, I don't cause, think... um, side effects and, uh, you know, what, uh, long-term, long-term side effects, um, of, of statin use, um, which, you know, what, uh, we, we don't really have a way around it. The only other option that we have are the fibrates and fibrates, Work more on lowering triglyceride levels yes. than anything else um a healthy diet can include lots of grains um that help fresh fruit like berries fresh, fresh, will, will um decreasing the amount of fat that you get in your meat so um here we're looking at more going over to fish and chicken and pork and a game rather than red meat can, can I ask um
0: does being vegan have any any positive effects to this or would you recommend you need things like fish and chicken and for the proteins?
2: Well, no. Um you know what? Vegans, I actually think I have a quite healthy lifestyle when it comes to cholesterol. Um did you guys ever see that um documentary that was on Netflix? Um where they take um, Olympic athletes um, and they changed them over to plant-based diets. They made them vegan, um, and how their performance increased. I can't remember what it was called. Um, Is it
1: the game change?
2: The game changes. Yeah, yeah. Um, we always thought for you to uh, keep muscle growth and muscle strength and size, you you needed um, animal protein. And it's it's exactly the opposite, you, you know. It you can you can control and grow and be healthy with a a, a good plant based diet. Lots of our plants, tofu, all of those, your legumes. Um Do you need a protein supplement, or you can go? With you them? can get vegan protein supplements. Right. Um, Cecilia, I you know, would say to you, patients with decreased kidney function. One of the biggest problems that they have is excessive amount of of protein. Okay. When we have a patient with um, kidney problems, we decrease protein intake, Helena. You know?
1: Yeah, you do. Um, but sometimes the patients under dialysis also and that I've, I've seen has also got low. Their proteins are low again. But in the beginning, when you um, proteins are high, yeah.
2: So proteins uh, get partially absorbed mm. through the kidneys. So if you if you have too much protein, you overwork the kidney and eventually the kidney has, has uh, no capacity to reabsorb this. And now you start losing protein. So you have protein in your urine, which is a bad sign. It's like having sugar in your urine. Yeah. So actually that, that makes it for a very interesting um, thing that we can do at home. And that's just doing a urine dipstick, which you can, um, Buy at your local pharmacy. And um, it's a nice screening test which you can do every so often yeah, for I glucose, blood. So those you buttons. will be
1: able to interpret it properly.
2: No. Well, you know, what, everything is on the bottle. Yeah. So That's it's cool. color-coded. It's not that bad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. So, doesn't, and everybody doesn't understand it. So so let's talk about
2: sugar, controlling mm-hmm. blood glucose. How do we do that? What sugar? Hmm. Reduce it, I'm assuming. Exactly. So what does that boil down to? Lifestyle. Lifestyle. Everything is about. Everything is about lifestyle. Lifestyle. When we talk about metabolic disease, it's all about lifestyle. How do we manage metabolic disease? Control your lifestyle. So, um, Elena, um, your mother, your father has been diabetic. You worked a lot with diabetics. Um, what is one of the first signs of a patient becoming a diabetic?
1: You know, they've got this thirst and con- um, uh, uh, Frequ- thirst, yeah. frequent urination, um, blurred vision, um, neuropathy, pains in the legs and the feet. Sometimes they get that. So that's but your thirst. And sometimes weight loss, are depending on the type of. Thank
2: you. I was just diabetes. going to ask Ryan, yes. yeah. um, put him on the spot again. Ryan, mm-hmm. what do you think with diabetics? What's, what's a very good sign that their sugar levels are now becoming an issue? Weight gain or weight loss? Weight loss. Yeah. Patients who are progressing from a type one to a type two diabetic or suddenly mm-hmm. develops type one diabetes. Mm-hmm. It's, you think that these are your obese patients. Mm. It's obese patients that suddenly lose weight. And here we're talking five, 10 kilograms without them trying. And that's one of the first signs of diabetes is rapid weight loss. Um, diabetes is problematic for us because the sugars, um, creates inflammation right through the body, specifically in small arteries. And here we are looking at the eyes, the kidneys, um, nerve, tissue, brain, etc et cetera. And um you know what uh I I always say there are conditions that are bad and diabetes and hypertension being progressive diseases are probably two of the worst. Um specifically diabetes, if you think um what happens to those most patients. Um they start getting ulcers, and eventually we have amputations of the toe, the foot uh the leg, and then uh you know what they go into kidney failure, blindness,
1: but I also think we need to differentiate between type one diabetes and type two diabetes so um yeah,
2: we had a podcast with Dr. Martin Joffe, who's a diabetic specialist um and type one diabetes is um these two two of them. This is where you have an autoimmune condition that affects your beta cells, which is responsible for producing insulin in the pancreas. Now, this is usually um, a condition that develops um, in young patients before the age of 20, usually even a little bit longer. And because the pancreas cannot produce insulin, that is responsible for the transfer of glucose out of the blood into the cell you have elevated glucose levels um, and then there is another condition which is also causes type 1 diabetes and that's late uh, or latent onset adult diabetes mm-hmm. um, this is where people that were healthy until their 40s um, suddenly develop type one diabetes. They were, they weren't type two. They didn't progress from a type two to a type one. They, they, within a very short period of time, become a, a type one diabetic who is dependent on insulin.
1: No, that was my, pa- my parents. That's um at an age foot in their forties. That's type one.
2: Okay. And then you have type 2 diabetes. And type 2 diabetes is basically where you fatigue your pancreas um, and you overwork it and the factory cannot keep up with demand. And again, this is predominantly due to lifestyle, um, where you consume excessive amounts of Carbohydrates and all carbohydrates break down into its base, which is glucose. So this is your, this includes your fruit. It includes sugar. It includes, um, your bread, your pastas, all of those. Um, and it is something that can be prevented, um, most of the time. So, um, and how do we control that? lifestyle. Stop taking in carbohydrates. (laughs) (laughs) Self-control. Stop taking in carbohydrates. (laughs) Um, What do you think is worse? Continuous high sugar or spikes in sugar?
0: I want to say continuous but I could see
2: how spikes could be worse because you don't maintain a... Think about load shedding. Yes. What happens to our devices and our fridges and stuff when we have power surges, so right. they eventually just start melting and yeah. burn out. So the same happens in the body. It's the same principle. Continuous high sugar is incredibly bad for us because it leads to cardiovascular disease, sure. weight gain, which compounds the, the issue. Management of type two diabetes, type one diabetes, I'm not going to talk about because that, that really is a specialist field. But type two diabetes, what are the things that we can do other than lifestyle and eating correctly and being physically more active and stopping alcohol and stopping smoking? Fuck, why do you want to live? Um, <laughs> I was going to say, stopping all the fun. <laughs> I. you know what? I'm, yeah. Um,
1: things that we can add are oh, these pharmaceutical uh, medications. medications that we can use. Um, and then, I think one need to say specifically you can turn around type two or insulin resistance, which will develop into type two diabetes if you do all the things and and use the medication and these also injections. Um, the new the new diabetic medication. New diabetic medications that yeah. is a daily or a weekly injection. But that's very important to understand that if you start with that, you have to continue with that. Otherwise you will go back to where you started off. Um, it's just a crutch to help you change lifestyle and to manage your sugar. And meal. I think you have to be compliant. Not only, it's not only just the medication. You have to be compliant with your lifestyle, exercise, diet. That's what I'm, yeah, i say, yeah.
2: Absolutely. Um, it seems um that when we talk metabolic disease, and I, I hope this became abundantly clear, that managing syndrome X or metabolic syndrome, the first step, like with so many other things, is change the lifestyle. Mm. Um And we can keep on talking about that, but the thing that... I see is our stress levels are elevating. Number one, um, stress is abundant around us. Just think about how our stress levels go up um when we know that we're going from stage two load shedding, which we had over the weekend, nice, calm, relaxed, uh to stage six later on during the week. Now we start stressing, oh, you know what, I have to get up half an hour earlier to get to work on time. Um, <clears throat> I'm starting to stress about how am I going to feed the kids? Because, you know what, uh, when I come home, there's no food to eat. So now we have to get takeaways. Uh, takeaways are expensive. How are the kids going to study? How are they going to do their homework? So those are things that we can't get around. So it's elevating. Um, And that impacts number one on our sleep. Mm. So now we're not sleeping, we're stressed. Right. And if you like me, when I'm bored or sitting in the dark or stressed, I crave salt, sugar. Mm. And saying to we need to I beg your pardon. Saying that we need to implement lifestyle changes, I think, is the most difficult thing to do. It's far easier to take a tablet. The problem is that medication have side effects, uh, side effects on your kidneys, on your liver, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. Um, becoming active, ugh, you know what, it's dark, um, 6 o'clock in the morning. Um, so I don't want to get up at six o'clock in the morning. At the moment, it's not cold. But when it's cold, it's going to be even more difficult to get up at six o'clock in the morning. And at five o'clock in the afternoon, it's dark again. So now I have to go run on a treadmill in the gym with other sweaty people in the dark and come out in the cold. So it becomes difficult. How do we do this? How do we make it easier for ourselves? Do you guys have any suggestions? Because I'm running into a brick wall every time I think about this.
1: I think what's important is to understand that people can become despondent with all the pressures from outside. And um, an, an approach of understanding and maybe just help them a little bit over that initial resistance or despondency um, is I think, key of making lifestyle changes or before making lifestyle changes. And that's what we aim to do is just to give them a little bit of, okay, we are here. This is how we're going to start it. Tackle it one problem by one problem and be there to support and be there to help along the way. I,
2: I think what you've said there is incredibly important. It's not only the, the willpower of no. passion. It's the support of the family. Um, think about it. If you want to go on diet in your family and the family is not on board. Okay, it's Stefan. Okay? Now, encouragement. Um, I I cannot eat sweets because I'm a diabetic and I'm an absolute chocoholic. Now, in my office, we put stuff in place because I can go through a packet of Quality Street in a day. So what... We have done is we place chocolates on all our artwork in the office. And as long as the chocolate stays there, you guys don't know that I change them every day.
1: No, you don't. <laughs> we can um, see we open it. that's white already.
2: So <laughs> uh, that I don't eat it. But if you do not have a support at home, you're going to fail. So I think that's where you start. The whole family needs to be on board and it doesn't need to be starvation diets. Um, it can be healthy. Quick to prepare, uh, whole foods, which is far more affordable. Um, and you know what? Here you can get your kids involved. Do a, do a little, um, garden, uh, a vegetable garden. Um, you know what? It gets the kids out, it gets her into nature. Um, the other thing that we need to talk about is obesity, yes. which is, Probably the chicken egg thing. Well, does obesity cause hypertension, diabetes and elevated cholesterol levels? Or do the cholesterol levels, hypertension and diabetes cause obesity?
1: I don't have the answer.
2: <laughs> I don't think there is an answer. Yeah. What we know is if we, um, a obesity weight gain was, is classified as a chronic disease and therefore it should be managed as a disease. Yeah. Um, it's chronic. Um, ask anyone that's gone on to a 12-week weight loss program um, where they rapidly lose weight. whether a, a year later, they've managed to maintain the weight. Um, the new prescription weight loss medications that are available on the market, the studies have shown that once you stop that medication, within a year you've gained the weight again. So patient lose 35 kilograms, stop the medication and a year later they gained all the weight again. So it all boils down again to weight loss and management of lifestyle. So, um, Ryan, you haven't given me the lasso, so I'll do it myself. Um, bad, we yeah. are running out of time. So, um, let's just quickly catch up on metabolic disease and then we won't talk about it for a for a while. Metabolic disease is predominant in our society. It's one of the fastest growing conditions, especially amongst African people, sub-Saharan African people, for a simple reason. They're changing the way that they're living. They're becoming less active, they're changing their diets to fast foods, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, physical activity is, is declining and therefore, um, we are changing our, um, genotypes, um, and phenotypes. So if you want to know what genotypes and phenotypes is, Google it. Um, it's interesting. I can't read it all now. Um, there is help. Um, it's something that you can do at home monitor this if you have a family history of elevated cholesterol levels thyroid issues in your family hypertension cardiovascular disease if you are going through menopause or perimenopausal period um, if you are someone that like to indulge over weekends or during the week in alcohol uh, smoking etc etc just be aware of a con um the consequences. You don't have to change it, but be aware of him so that when things do go wrong, there are interventions that can be done. Do any one of you ladies uh,
1: want to add anything? No, I'm not. Thank you.
2: Right? Questions? Um, comments? No, I think
0: uh, I think that's pretty good in mind. I just, I just know it's, it's a, it's a big lifestyle change. I think, you know, change for anyone is, is the reason why it doesn't happen because it's, uh,
1: it's, it's change. It's we don't pain. like change.
0: No one likes changes, change. exactly. We
1: don't like
0: it. And so I know with, as you know, with my father's, um, you know, recent uh health issues that have come up, we've had to change diets, and it's. What's it difficult? Very, because. Is it easier now? Now, now that we know. Because we, my dad spent a lot of time researching it and, uh, you know, we, we now make meals that are, you know, for, for mainly him and my, and my mom, but like, uh, now we all kind of on the, back. so is the food still nice and tasty? It is, but we had to learn new recipes and new ingredients and spend a little more money on fresher food and change actually where we shopped because where we shop the food doesn't stay fresh as long so you have to go somewhere where the where the food stays fresh for a little longer so i think i think that's that's what i'm gathering from this
2: i i think one of the biggest the biggest things that you can do and if you can only do this just the one change you are doing incredibly well and that's cut out sugar Mm. in all forms so that's refined sugar. It's even things like honey. If you really want to do something, maple syrup maybe is a better option than honey and syrup. And um, you know what? One of the biggest culprits is artificial sweetness. Oh, and um, don't I'm looking it. at your prime hydration <laughs> drink, um, here. <laughs> and um, healthy at it's, all. it's it's it smells sweet. So you know what I. Presume it tastes sweet, Um, and it's got artificial sweetness like sucralose, which is um, an aspartame and xylitol, and none of them are healthy. Mm. Okay, guys. um, Next week we will be back, and for the life of me, I have no idea what we're talking about. No, actually, I do. Um, We are um, going to explore um, over the next couple of weeks two um topics the first one is menopause where we actually going to see what is menopause what the different stages how we can manage it and why we should manage menopause and menopausal symptoms and the other one which sister elise is dying for us to do is late onset or delayed puberty in boys so join us over the next couple of weeks for those very interesting discussions until next time we wish you all the best in health
1: that was the tea health
0: show empowering you with knowledge download all previous episodes on your
1: favorite podcast platform the tea health show is brought to you by tea clinic